Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, everybody, and welcome to Dude. That's weird. Uh, You may be hearing us today on the History Dweebs uh, podcast feed. We decided to go ahead and um, post this particular story on both, just because it was uh, part of history and just kind of a weird thing. Um, With me today is young Brittany. Hello, Brittany. Hi, how are you? Great. Good. Great. And Mr. Tim over there. Hi, Brandy. Wow. And to my left is Charles the Colonel Walters. He's affectionately known as the Southern Gentleman. He well, okay, by some. Dude, that's weird. Hi. Yeah. Hi, it, Colonel. It's lovely to join all my friends today. Great. You're so smooth. So, oh, so nice of you. Really, I'm I'm like the white Billy D. Williams. You're not like that at all. <laughs> you really are. You are never Lando Calrissian <laughs> ever. He's, he's big with the ladies. I am big with the ladies because they want to borrow your clothes. <laughs> <laughs> they want to they want to borrow Brian underwear. Caitlin. They might want to borrow your they underwear. Because uh, the underwear. No, I still got them. This oh oh. That's why I've been walking right here smiling. Oh God. Okay, so today. We are going to talk about Richard Speck. And if you ever look up pictures of Richard Speck... He's a mess. He is a hot mess. He is good looking. What? <laughs> look at that picture. Dude, he always looks stupid. Oh. <laughs> like in every picture, he looks stupid. He oh. looks stupid. He, he, uh, he, he's got the complexion of someone who was bobbing for french fries. Yeah. Yeah. He has that lost look on his face. Yeah, he mm. looks lost. He's yeah. pitted. His face is all pitted up. He's just, he looks stupid. So, um, but he's an interesting character for several reasons that we'll get into. But um, does anybody have anything that they want to go into before we start? Uh, well, I, uh, okay. I mean, do no. we have any shout outs? We got a no. shout out to Bobby no. Scott. I, I do have a shout out to Brian, who left us a very nice, nice uh, message on our Facebook page, and he made a suggestion that we're going to uh, look into as a potential topic. So, thank you, Brian. We'll look into the uh, uh, Molly Maguires. Thanks, Brian. Well, we got to give a shout out to Dottie. Thank standing you. Standing shout out to Dottie. Standing shout out. shout out because Dottie really is the fifth member of our team. She is. 
she is. She I mean, is like the fifth person to listen to our podcast too. She's like the, the fifth member of our audience. Well, if she, if, you know, if it wasn't for Dottie, I wouldn't do these damn things. Yeah. Well, I'm sure she appreciates it. Yeah. So I might be Tim's stepfather one day. <laughs> that's good luck. Look, that's something to look forward to. Okay. <laughs> good luck with that, Richard Speck. Richard Speck. Timmy, tell me a little about young. Young boy Richard Speck. Okay, well, this guy, yeah, bear with me because Dickie Speck. Dickie Speck is a mess. Richard Benjamin Speck, um, of course, as Brandy mentioned, is a um, was, is known as a, a mass murderer, uh, and we're going to get into that uh, his um, career highlights a little bit later. But um, he was born on December 6, 1941, which was one day before, before Pearl Harbor was attacked. So two days in infamy. Well, uh, his, he, he, was, he was born on the day that just kind of sucked. Yeah, I mean, he was like, uh, the Japs were already on, Japanese were already on their way. <laughs> did, did you say Japs? <laughs> the Japanese. I apologize to all of uh, uh Oriental listeners, uh, Asian. It would be Asian. Asian yeah. listeners. All right, you put you stepped your foot in the mouth, so you have to shut up. Okay, so he was born December 6, nineteen forty-one, which of course is a day before Pearl Harbor was attacked, and also uh, the day before uh, the colonel uh, colonel's birthday. Right, you're in December. My birthday. Well, not actually the day before, but my birthday is on Pearl Harbor Day. Yeah, another date that will live in infamy. Uh, and interesting enough, Speck died on December 5th, 1991. So he lived to be 49 years old. He just missed 50 by one day. Bummer. Yeah, it kind of sucks. Okay, anyway, he was born in Kirkwood, Illinois. I don't know why all these serial killers are born in Illinois and Chicago and Wisconsin, but whatever. Because um, we had what? We had uh, the, um, what's the guy, the... Um, the guy with the Ed Gein. Ed Gein. He was in Wisconsin. No, the um, the guy at the World's Fair. Oh, the uh, uh, Holmes. Holmes. John Holmes. H. H. Holmes. John Holmes. No. John. H. H. Holmes. He he beat people to death with the stick. Yeah. And then the you had John Gacy. Yeah. John Wayne Gacy. So a lot of weirdos up there in Chicago. Although I know not everyone in Chicago is weird. I don't think. Okay. Anyway. So anyway, he was born at. His family moved to Monmouth, Illinois, when he was very young. He um, Speck was the seventh of eight children born to Benjamin and Mary Margaret Speck. Um, he did have a younger sister, Carolyn, who was born in 1943, so he was two years younger than her. But he had um, they were much younger than their older uh, four older sisters and brothers. Uh, Speck's older, oldest brother, Robert, died when he was uh, at age 23 in an automobile accident in 1952. Um, Speck's father was apparently a pretty good guy. He was um, he had a good relationship with uh, Richard, and uh, you know he he was a good provider. He worked at the Western Stoneware um, in Monmouth. Um, but his father died in 1947 of a heart attack at age. 53, which is kind of ironic because Speck will end up dying of a heart attack at age 50. So, uh, 49. Yeah, 49. 49. Exactly. So I don't know if there's a. Um, <coughs> some I would say there was some congenital, probably heart heart disease in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, but Speck was only six years old when his father died. 
Uh, a few years later, Speck's religious teetotaling mother met and fell in love with a traveling insurance salesman. That's never a good, never, never a good thing. thing. Young Brittany never fall in love with a traveling insurance salesman, especially if he's a hard drinking peg leg, which uh, oh. which is what this guy Lindbergh was. Maybe uh, he was a pirate. Red flag. Yeah, he's red a flag. He's red a pirate. Flag. If uh, you never want to fall in love with a hard drinking. Peg leg traveling insurance salesman. And actually, he's where the saying came from, if you've ever heard it. That some bitch can drink like he got a hollowed out leg. I, it came from him. I don't think that's true, but okay. Wow. No. You ain't never heard that I saying? sort of believe oh, I've heard it. it. it was I don't him. know why. And let me ask you this. Wouldn't it be hard to be a traveling sell, uh, insurance salesman if you were a peg, peg leg? leg? Yeah. Yes. Well, I don't believe you. Was actually I don't think he walked jogging. everywhere. Yeah, I think he, he, might, he had, had to have. Uh, well, but I mean, you know, there wasn't, uh, you know, back in the day, there wasn't uh, uh, reasonable accommodations and, and hope, you know, and I, I don't know. It seemed to me it would be hard well, to Which leg was it? I don't know. That's a good question. Either his left or his right. Because if it was left, if, 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 what would the difference be? What would the difference be, Colonel? The difference it, it would. <laughs> Well, it's well, a big difference if you're a kicker in the NFL. Is your gas pedal on your brake foot? True. He could have taken That's the train. That's true. He yeah. probably took the train everywhere. Well, we don't know. But he could have drove if it was yeah. his left leg. But anyway, this uh, Carl Lindbergh was not a good guy. He was a hard drinker. And uh, uh, young uh, uh, Speck's mother married this guy. And um, they moved to Texas. Where uh, where they set up their uh, house household, um, and it was kind of a um, rough childhood for Richard. The family kept moving a lot. They lived in they made um, they moved into uh, twelve different addresses in the, in Dallas in over. Um, Ten-year period. What's so. traveling insurance? Yeah, yeah. Well, what is that traveling? That wasn't moving around. <laughs> well, but the guy was uh, the the stepfather was out of the house a lot. So, uh, and when he was at home, him and Richard did not get along well. Um, his uh, father, uh, stepfather, was uh, psychologically and um, verbally abusive to young Richard. He's physically abusive too, wasn't he? Yeah, he was physically. Did abusive. it say how he lost his leg? No, I did not do a whole lot of research on Mr. Lindbergh, but we can do that in another podcast. Well, I guess, like. because my question is, if you got a peg leg, okay, and this is what I never understood about pirates. Now, I'm sure that a peg leg could be a flotation device if you're a pirate and you get knocked off the ship. You can hold on to your peg leg, it will float. But day to day to day to day, you got to get in the shower. Is it like a cast that you got to cover up your wooden peg leg? Not if you can swim with it. Well, well eventually mind. it would walk. But it's like a deck. I mean, uh, you know, it's like deck wood. Yeah. So you got to clean and stain your peg leg. Every you got to clean and stain your peg le- your peg leg every once in a while. Poly, put, put a coat of polyurethane on your peg. You got to do something. It's a lot of upkeep. Yeah. Well, and you probably need really to make yourself a, a new one. Eventually. So you got to get a peg cure every once in a while. You do. A peg cure. Yeah, I got it. Yes, you do. That's a new business we could start. It, it is. It is. But only if you try that little wooden toes. A, a peg cure. Timmy, getting tense over here. No, I'm just waiting for you to stop rambling. <laughs> trying to choke himself. <laughs> We're having an excellent conversation um, about so, so anyway, um, Speck, uh, Richard Speck, the topic of our podcast, um, oh. he was a poor student. Easy warrior. <laughs> he was a poor student. He needed glasses for reading, but he refused to wear them. Uh, so he struggled in Dallas public schools from the fourth to the eighth grade, repeating the eighth grade at uh, 
J.L. Long Jr. High, and in part because he refused to recite in front of the class uh, because he has a, he had a lifelong fear of people staring at him. He did not like to be stared at. Uh, and in 19, the autumn of 1957, um, he, he failed the first term, I guess the first semester of high school, by failing every class. Um, it's all downhill. So, Good job. Yeah. At least he's consistent. He, he was consistent. And so then he decided in January 1958, he turned 16, so he decided to drop out of Because uh, at 16, you know everything. Yes. So he dropped out of school. He dropped out of school. And um, Speck began to drink at the age of 12. And by the age 15, he was drinking almost every day. He was drunk almost every day. Where much like the colonel here. His parents. Oh, well, I was going to say much like young Brittany. Over here. She started, <laughs> well, well, I know she's talking a little is bit out later. And the, up, and the <clears throat> mother is busy raising I the other kids. I don't think he was a pirate. I think he was a traveling insurance salesman, but whatever. He is yeah. now the pirate. Yes, you yes. don't know that he wasn't a pirate. Uh, really? Can I, you definitively say that he was never at sea? Do, do you think that people was like in the, in the neighborhood? He come to town to be like, <laughs> my have. die, matey. Arg, <laughs> I got something you need here. Arg. Okay, so Speck uh, was drinking every day, and uh, in 1961, uh, Richard Speck met a 15-year-old by the name of Shirley Annette Malone. And within um, two weeks of dating Speck, she was pregnant. Wow. I'm just saying. Hooker. They, they, two weeks. they had to do that the first touch day they met. Well, I, I don't know, but she became pregnant. And, uh, now, how the hell back in, they didn't even have the EPT test. I don't, I don't know what to tell you. She got pregnant. When, within two weeks. She, she, got, she got knocked up. She was pregnant <laughs> within two weeks of dating Wow. Um, so she married Speck. He made an honest woman out of her on January 19, 1962. Oh, no, honest. That woman is. And uh, they lived, moved in together. Uh, well, actually, they moved in with his mom, uh, sister, and his sister. Um, Speck's mom and stepfather at that point had um, separated, and uh, Mr. Pegleg uh, moved to California. So he just limped on out to the West Coast. Peg leg Magoo. Yes. Yeah, so I wonder if he got a redwood peg leg. One. I, I don't, don't know what awesome. happened to him. I don't know that we know what happened. Those happened. are sturdy. Yeah. yeah sturdy. They yeah. grow. They grow big. Yeah. Now he's lopsided. <laughs> now they're going lefty. <laughs> Lean. So, um, when Speck's daughter was born, Robbie Lynn, in <coughs> July 5th, 1962, one day after the uh, July 4th celebrations would have occurred uh, in that year. No, n- uh um, That's weird. I, I am telling you, there's this, you know, all these tie There's some kind of synchronicity. There, there is this, uh, you know, this numerology. I, Lisa Leftby Lopez would love this case. Oh, she would. Because, of course, now, she did was. Did the peg leg guy have two eyes? As far as I know. <laughs> well, Did he have a patch over one of them? Because if I had a peg leg, I'd get a patch and put it over my good eye. And wouldn't you have a parrot on yes! your shoulder? I was just going to say, I'd well, get a parrot. Have you ever wondered, and, and I know we're getting a little off subject here, but this this falls under. Dude, that's weird. Yeah. If the pirate didn't have the pi- parrot on his shoulder, yeah. do you think he'd have both his eyes? Because parrots is mean birds. Where do they fly when they're out in the ocean? I don't know, but what I wonder is, do you come in with two eyes, say, hey, I'm going to get a parrot, and then the parrot pecks your damn eye out. He has to stay on a boat. He can't fly anywhere. I would teach the parrots to talk. 
I think that's the best thing about a parrot. I think that they clip his wings so he can't fly. Okay, let's get back to the story. So, um, Robbie uh, Lynn, the daughter of uh, Richard Speck, was born on July 5th, 1962. Uh, but at the time, he was not there for her birth. Uh, and his wife, um, young Shirley, um, did not know where he was. It turns out that Speck was uh, serving 22 day, a 22-day jail sentence for disturbing the peace in McKinley, Texas, after a drunken melee. Oh, you think he was at a pool party? Stop. McKinley, uh, Texas. No, no, That's no, where no. the... Uh, is that where it happened? Okay, so... Um, in July of 1963, Speck was caught having forged and cashed a co-worker's $44 paycheck, and uh, then he robbed a grocery store, stealing cigarettes, beer, and $3 in cash. So his life of crime is off and running in 1963. Uh, the 21-year-old Speck was convicted of forgery and burglary and sentenced to three years in prison. He was paroled after serving 16 months. Uh, so he was served between September of 1963 and January of 1965 in the Texas State Penitentiary in Huntsville, Texas. One week after his parole, um, at 2.20 a.m., celebrating his release here, Brandy, uh, one week after his parole on January 9, 1965, Speck uh, was... Um, Arrested for wielding a 17-inch carving knife. There you go. Attacked a woman in a parking lot of her apartment building. So he fled. The woman screamed. Uh, police arrived within minutes and shortly thereafter uh, apprehended Speck a few blocks away. Speck was uh, convicted of aggravated assault, given a 16-month sentence to run concurrently with the parole violation sentence, and he returned to prison in Huntsville. But due to a clerical error, and I hate those, he was released from prison just six months later uh, after just completing his parole violation sentence. So he never did actually have to serve his sentence for his assault on the lady with the carving knife. So was that his, like, very first? Well, other than this, uh, yeah, other than this, uh, well, he had that 22-day sentence for the drunken melee um, a melee, a fracas, a fracas back in 1962, and then he did the forgery and robbed a grocery store, and then his attack on this woman. Yeah, that's kind of the beginning of his crime career. Upon being released from prison early due to that clerical error, um, Speck worked as a driver for the Patterson Meat Company, and he had six accidents with his truck before he was. <laughs> Hired for failing to show up work. He had six accidents in like a month. Jeez. <laughs> so, so he can't drive either. You no, know, he's a I guess not. Um, well, he can't see. Well, maybe that's maybe that was the problem. But uh, he saw well enough to um, forge the checks. Anyway, um, after his release, um, so in December 1965, on the recommendation from his mother. Um, him and his wife uh, moved in with a 29-year-old divorce woman, an ex-professional wrestler. There we go. Who was a bartender at her uh, at his favorite bar, the Guinea Lounge. 
Oh, uh, now that's just a nasty term for the Italians. <laughs> no, 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 no. She she uh, she worked at the Ginning Lounge, and uh, Speck and his wife, and uh, I guess their young daughter moved in with her. She needed someone to babysit her three children, and you know when when you think of a babysitter, Richard Speck comes to mind. Yeah, yeah. So Speck uh, and his wife move in with. Uh, this uh, ex-professional wrestler to babysit her kids. And um, as I said, she was a bartender at his favorite bar, the Guinea's Guinea's Lounge. And uh, that same month, um, Richard Speck stabbed a man in a fight at the Guinea Lounge. So that does not reflect well on the bartender there, your employer, when you um, stab someone at her place of business. But anyway... A lot of times, though, people have it coming. Well, perhaps. I don't know what the uh, genesis of this little uh, disagreement was. But anyway, he was charged with aggravated assault, which seems fitting. Um, But a defense attorney hired by his mother was able to get it reduced uh, to disturbing the peace. So you stab a guy... (laughs) And you're disturbing the peace. Yeah. Well, I mean, in fairness, there's peace. And all of a sudden, somebody got a flesh wound. And you disturbed it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> so, guess what he was? Guess what his penalty was for stabbing this guy? Twenty-five dollar fine. Community uh, service. He was fined ten dollars and jailed for three days. But he failed to pay. Uh, oh, I'm sorry. He was he was fined ten dollars and he he was jailed for three days after he failed to pay the fine. So. Oh yeah. Wow. Can't do the crimes. Stick the it time. to the man. Yeah. Uh, this was the last time he was ever in police custody in Dallas. Now, to me, real quickly, let me interject something here. All right. My stepfather's from Tennessee. Yeah. His uh, grandparents, maternal and paternal grandparents, did not like each other a bit. Did mm-hmm. not like each other. One night on the mountain, his paternal grandpappy ran into his maternal grandpappy and one of his sons. Mm-hmm. And they gutted the paternal grandpappy. Mm-hmm. He lived for about four days. Uh, cut him open. You could actually see his intestines, they said. Uh they found him guilty, and you know what they found him guilty of? Hmm. Disturbing the peace. Gave him $25 fine. Yeah. Well, uh, that'll teach him. Yeah. No, that, that's how they did it then, Tennessee. Disturbing the peace. So Disturbing. you could stab somebody and owe $10. Well, if you got a, if you have a good I got return, a 20 $25 wow. was a lot. I got a 20 Let's see what that we can do. That is all you're worth. $10. $20. <laughs> okay. So anyway, so... Um, uh, on March the 5th, 1966, uh, Speck bought a 12-year-old car. I'm sure uh, so it was a 1958-ish Oldsmobile or something. The following evening, he broke into a grocery store, stole 70 cartons of cigarettes, sold them out of the trunk of his car in the grocery <laughs> store parking lot. Now, there you take, go. Takes balls. That takes a lot of stones right there. <laughs> yeah. And then he abandoned the car. Uh, again, I don't know why, but the police traced the car to Speck and issued a warrant for his. He wasn't the brightest. He wasn't the brightest he, criminal. He should have thought of a life of social work instead yeah, of something. But the the police traced the car to him and issued a warrant for his arrest. And that would have had they they never arrested him in Dallas, but had they arrested him, that would have been arrest number forty two. Wow. In his young career. Yeah, so he had quite a career down he there. He got more arrested than, than a brown-haired devil over here. Yeah, I know, I know. He's, he Are has quite, sure? a, quite a career. Are so, you sure? um, like remember Speck was born in the Chicago area, right? So, uh, he decides it's time to get out of Dodge. The, the Texas is a little bit hot right now. So, um, he knew he was facing another prison term. 
So on March 9, 1966, he tells it to Chicago where his uh, sister um, uh, helped him get out of town, and he caught a bus to uh, Chicago, Illinois, and he stayed with his older sister, Martha Thornton, and her family for a few days. Um, then he returned to his hometown of Monmouth, Illinois, uh, where he stayed with some friends. So he wasn't really on a lamb because no. he was on the bus. Well, and by now, yes, that's true. And by now, his wife's left him. Yeah, she's yeah, she's filed I, for divorce. Yeah. She left at about arrest twenty seven. She left him in January. Okay. Yeah, he, I mean, you know, he. Um, yeah, he he's all over the place. So he he's staying with some friends in in the Chicago area, uh, and his um, brother in law talks him into um, joining uh, like the Merchant Marines. So um, they get him to um, uh, join this and basically trying to get him to get a job to get the hell out of uh, their lives. Um. While he's doing this, though, a few things happen while he's in this area. On April 3rd, uh, a Mrs. Virgil Harris, a 65-year-old resident of Monmouth, uh, returned home uh, at her home at 1 a.m. to find someone was in her house brandishing a knife. He was six foot tall, uh, very polite, and spoke with a uh, soft and southern drawl, much like the colonel here. Mm-hmm. Where were you, Colonel, on April 3rd, 1960-whatever, 66? Uh, I believe I was three years old, so I would have been... That's when I was trying out for Jeopardy, the oh, game okay. show. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. A week later, uh, Mary K. Pierce, a 32-year-old barmaid uh, who worked with in her brother-in-law's tavern, Frank's Place, aptly named, I guess her brother-in-law was named Frank. Oh, hey. That's my guess. And downtown Monmouth was last seen leaving the tavern at 12.45 a.m. on April the 9th. Uh, she was reported missing on April the 13th. So it took like four days for them to figure out she was not coming into work, I guess. And her body was found on April 13th, uh, the same day, in an empty hog house behind the tavern. I don't know why they would have a hog house behind the tavern. That's not my business. A hog house? Hog, H-O-G, hog house. A hog house. Yeah. I don't know. In the the bars in the old days, they used to have the big jars of uh, hot dogs, pickled hot dogs. Yeah. And they used to have the big jars of pickled pig's feet and the big jars of hard-boiled eggs. They still do. Yeah, but they was fresh back then. Anyway. You had a bunch of peg-leg hogs in the back. Anyway, Mary Kay Pierce died of a blow to her abdomen and a rupture to her liver. And it just so happens that Speck had frequented Frank's place. And the empty hog house was one of several he had helped build in the preceding months. So he, he, yeah, he was, you know, besides his criminal career, he was known to build a hog house or two in his day. So he was handy. Yeah. So the Monmouth police uh, briefly questioned him about Pierce's death. And um, when he showed up to collect his final check for building the hog house on April 15th, and they asked him to stay in town for further questioning. But when uh, the police showed up at the hotel he was staying at, the Christie Hotel, uh, to question him, they found that he had left the hotel hours before carrying his suitcase and saying he was going to the laundromat 
Uh, instead, he left town. So apparently, he did not want He's to. He's a get, trickster. Yeah, he did not want to answer their questions. So, so he lied? He a liar, too? He, he a whole face liar. He a liar a, and a, a search of his room turned up a radio and costume jewelry that Mrs. Virgil Harris had reported missing from her house. Um, as well as some other uh, items that were reported missing in local break-ins the previous month. In April 19th, on April 19th, 1966, uh, Speck returned to live with his sister. The brother, as I said, tried to get him a job, um, and they dropped him off at the uh, U.S. Merchant Marine uh, headquarters and hoping that they can find him a job. Now, this headquarters just happened to be down the street from the South Chicago Community Hospital, um, where senior student nurses and Filipino exchange nurses lived uh, as while they were going through their training. So he just he had bodies turning up everywhere he went. Um, Indiana wanted to talk to him about um, the murder of three girls who'd vanished on July 2nd of 66. Um, They never found their bodies. Michigan authorities wanted to question him about his whereabouts during the murder of four other females between the ages of 7 and 60 because his ship had been in the vicinity. And every time Speck seemed to um, have a knack for just staying just a little bit ahead of the police on that and never really answering questions. <clears throat> then, on Saturday, July 13th of 1966... One day before the 4th of July. No, on July 13th. Oh, then it's nine <laughs> days later. Let's count. One, two... <laughs> you have been late for that party, <laughs> Timmy. That was a party you were showing up. I'd have missed that. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Speck arrived on the doorstep of a townhouse in South Chicago that served as a communal home for a group of eight... Um, of the student nurses from South Chicago Community College. 23-year-old Corazon Amuro Amuro, Amuro, um, opened the front door. Speck knocked on the door. She opened the front door, and he forced his way in at gunpoint. Uh, He then rounded the nurses up, ordered them to empty all their purses, and tied them all up. Um... Over the next couple hours, he just brutalized these girls. He raped them, tortured them, um, brutalized them. Uh, Those that had been fortunate enough to be out at the time of his arrival, um, when they returned later in the evening, were also um, subjected to all these brutal attacks. So there were like eight of them, nine of them all together? There was a total of eight women women between the ages of 19 and 24. They were robbed, raped, beaten, strangled, and stabbed during during this frenzy of his. Uh, the body count was so high that he failed to notice that the girl that answered the door um, had managed to hide herself under one of the beds. And when he left a couple hours later... So apparently he can't count. Apparently. Yeah, it's a good thing. Um, when he left hours later, he took all the money he'd stolen. She came out. She'd, she'd been under the bed for hours, and she finally came out. She climbed out on the window ledge and now, that started. That must have been horrific. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Laying under the bed. Yeah, and listen to that. Listening to your roommates being And he evidently would take them out of the room. He had them all in one room, and he would take them out of the room. And he would, like, strangle them. I mean, it wasn't wasn't like it was quick that. Well, she... um, but she, you know, she went out on the window ledge and she screamed, um, and then neighbors called the police. What the police found was uh, Pamela Wilkening had been gagged and stabbed through the heart. Uh, she was found in one of the bedrooms. Gloria Davy. Now this girl, she kind of got it last. He tortured her because she spit on him and told him that she would identify him in a lineup. Yeah, you know, you should never say that when you're when you're Mm -hmm. after they've already killed seven people. Yeah, yeah. You know, kind of keep going. She was raped. Uh, Probably going to kill her either way. But she was raped and sexually brutalized and strangled. Uh, She was found in the living room, naked, lying belly down on the couch. Mm. Her hands were bound behind her back, and a strip of cloth was wrapped tightly around her neck. I mean, it does take balls, though. I mean, to, to confront the guy when you know right. you're going well, to get Right. Well, what it. do you got to lose? Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, Suzanne Ferris was stabbed 18 times and strangled. She was next to Pamela Welkening. Uh, she had a white nurse's stocking twisted around her neck, and she had 18 stab wounds to her chest and neck. So she must have said something that pissed him off, too. Um, Marianne Jordan was stabbed in the chest, neck, and eye. She was found in the upstairs bedroom. She'd, um, she'd been stabbed three times in the chest and once in the neck. Uh, Nina Schmally uh, was stabbed in the neck, and she was suffocated. She was found in one of the bedrooms. Uh, pillow covered most of her face, and she was on her back. Her hands were bound behind her, and a cloth was around her neck. Her legs were spread apart. Her nightgown was pulled up to her breast, and she'd been stabbed in the heart. Mm. Patricia Matrusek, um, he punched her, and that resulted in a ruptured liver, and then she was strangled. Uh, he found her in a ba- they found her in a bathroom. Her hands were bound behind her back, um, behind her, and she was on her back. A bed sheet was double-knotted around her neck. Her dress had been pulled up over her breast, and her underwear had been pulled down. <coughs> Valentina Paysan had had her throat cut. She was found in another bedroom, uh, face down under a blue, uh, under a blue cover. Uh, Merlita Gargulo had been stabbed and strangled. Um, she actually, her body just been tossed on top of Valentina's body, just kind of carelessly tossed over there. So he kind of tried out a little bit of everything on these girls. Uh, he took his time. He seemed to take his time and not really... Yeah, this you know, was done over hours, right? It's done over hours. And like I said, he would take them out, um, out of the room one by one and do this to him. So he had a minute to, you know, to yeah. do what he needed to do with them. So um, 
then he was um, he was picked up. They picked him up an hour later. He got ID'd by a drifter. Yeah, it didn't take him long. No. And an interesting thing about this, <clears throat> I heard. Uh, oh, I, I it was a forensic person. They were talking about it later on. You know, years later. Mm-hmm. Um, was that uh, uh, not all these girls were raped, um, but they were sexually brutalized in some different form. And they believed that he had a sexual dysfunction, that he could not maintain his, you know, thing. An erection? Which drew him, yeah, which threw him into rages. Um, So he would get one girl out, he'd get fairly excited, he'd be able to work, and then the thing would stop working. Mm -hmm. And he would go, and had, you know, had it worked, he may have only killed one person. You know, he may have he may have chosen right. to you know. Are those those are facts about it? Yeah, I mean he he had he had. <laughs> he a might not be making that out. Making sure. No, yeah, no, he he had a dysfunction that he could not keep and maintain an erection. Um, so he was bringing these girls out, and because they were not all raped, but they were sexually brutalized. He yeah. was a lot of times, you know, use whatever dandy. Yeah, and and okay. had he been able to just maintain an erection, rape one, achieve orgasm, he may have just called it a day and gone on. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I mean, but he could not do that. I wonder if this, uh, if this problem has occurred after. Because he had a child, right? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, I, it, you know, I mean, it, yeah, I don't know. Well, it related to his heart. I mean, the family. Right. It could have been. Yeah. I don't know, but they. But that's one thing that they said that he had. Was, well, you know, when we talk about all these serial killers, and it, usually you can pick out, you can see they have pretty screwed up childhoods. I mean, um, you know, Albert Fish had a really screwed up childhood, and um, uh, Ed Gein. This guy, I, I mean, you know, yeah, his mom married a guy that wasn't so nice, but, I mean... As far as we know, there was never no like abuse going on, other than some physical abuse. But I mean, but no. there was some. More, and when we get into what I got, there's some there's some organic issues there too. But um, but you know, when you when you look at it in that term, I mean, in in that context, think about it. I mean, even a colonel who's known for his prowess, yeah, um, Jesus. eight women. I mean, eight yeah. women is you know. That's, a, that's, beyond beyond, that's beyond your ability. Well, I mean, it, it's it, back in my twenties. It was a good Saturday. Yeah. But uh, you know, and of course, that was Saturday that, afternoon. That was not tied up and dragged out of rooms and everything. That was just coming home with the girl. Mm-hmm. But uh, no, the, but but that's an interesting part of this is that um, so, so you think it, the, his the, sexual frustration was a reason brought why he was on angry. the rage of this brutality. Okay. Um, he would get the girl would get him a little bit excited. Um, he'd become a little bit excited, and then he would not be able to perform, and it, he would become insane. And he would just stab the hell and beat the hell out of him, whatever, mm-hmm. and move on to the next one. And the beating and the stabbing and the whatever aroused him again, and it was like a cycle. So it's uh, and, and and another thing that uh, you know a, a lesson that ladies should learn from this is. If a guy comes into your apartment and there's five or six of you and he wants to tie you up, rushing, take the damn bullet. Mm-hmm. Take you know the why? damn bullet. I mean, do not let people tie you up. Or you know, I think somewhere. that's a lesson that people learn from uh, 9-11. I don't think people are going to just, you know, because we were talking, who was the, what was the last one we did? Um, 
uh, oh, uh, uh, squeaky frown. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and that one, the murder where the, the they they murdered a couple. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Labiantos. They, no, 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 not not that murder. The oh yeah, yeah the, the, the the murder billets or the yeah. Billets, yeah the billets yeah they made them they made a guy dig his own grave mm-hmm. before the killing. Yeah, you hand me a damn shovel. Yeah, I mean I got a I, weapon. I think. Yeah, I think at this point, I don't think people would do that. But, but, but then, yeah. you know, who knows? But anyway, that's, you know. Because, I mean, you had eight, I guess eight of them were, I mean, you don't want to blame the victim, but. You I don't know. want to blame the victim, but there is a, it, obviously, you're not, you know, it's not their fault. But man comes in your house, even if there's just two of you, scratch his damn eyes out, fight, don't, but do <coughs> not let them restrain you. Right. I was going to say, there wasn't eight when all this started. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Yeah, they, they, yeah. they kind of but I think trickled, there was four. trickled in, yeah. Well, there was the one girl who hid under the bed. Yeah. And, yeah, that, that and, and that's a strategy, too. But um, She was just lucky. She really they was very lucky. That he, can't, that he can't count. Well, he can't count. So, I, go ahead. No, it's fine. I would just never let anybody do anything like that. If there's eight girls and one guy, I would, yeah, it no. would never happen. You take them. Yeah. Richard, in one of his little stints in prison, got a, um, a Born to Raise Hell tattoo on his arm. Of course he did. I know. Because did he have love and hate that's across he his knuckles? Boy, we should be so lucky. We should be so lucky. But, um, you know, they so the police come to the house, and they take this, this poor little nurse um, into custody. She's traumatized, and they're interviewing her, and they're trying to get, a, um, get an image, get an idea of who did this to her. And she remembered this Born to Raise Hell tattoo. Um, and she was able to describe him to a sketch artist. So you got the, the tattoo and the, and the sketch artist. And they identified. They figured out who it was. It was Richard Speck. And they sent out nationwide inquiries. And this raised other incidents in which Speck was a suspect. And they looked at his criminal record. And, um, you know, it took a week to identify the prints found in the house. But they finally identified him as his. They were identified. That was before they had national database. Yeah, lots of media coverage. They they put his image everywhere, all over front pages, everywhere. Um, Speck actually tried to commit suicide on July nineteenth of nineteen sixty six by slashing his wrist, but he changed his mind. Um, he changed his mind. At the, you know, he did it, and then decided this isn't a great idea. He was hoping to get another um, disturbing the peace charge. I guess. I guess. Must pay the ten bucks. And so move he on. could kill seven, eight people, but he couldn't kill himself. Right. So <clears throat> he called help. He called nine eleven. Called nine eleven. <laughs> I don't think nine eleven was around back then. Wasn't. Wonder when it started. I don't know, but he called help. Yeah. And he was taken to Cook County Hospital. And they recognized his tattoo, and he was arrested and taken into custody. Uh, they did have to do surgery on him to repair his severed artery, but they had a, like a dozen policemen um, that stood guard. All they were on him like a cheap suit to make sure that his days of of escaping and just getting out by the skin of his teeth that was over. Were there any clerical errors this time? No. So, do you think he? Could have been insane at the time of the murders or incompetent no. at the time of the murders? I don't think so. I don't Because think he so does either. everything in his power not to get caught. Right. So he knows what he did was wrong. Right. Well, there's 
Well, let nice me get to person. that when I get to my part. I'll, I will discuss part of that. Well, that brings me <clears throat> into the pretrial. So uh, the judge appointed a panel to report on Speck's competence and if he could stand trial um, and if he was sane at the time of the crime. Uh, the panel consisted of three physicians suggested by the defense and three physicians selected by the prosecution, uh, and then five psychiatrists and one general surgeon. Uh, the panel's report deemed him competent to stand trial and uh, concluded that he had not been insane at the time of the murders. I don't even know why they would think. was So that means he was trying to, to plead insanity? Well, maybe. Or that was you're goal. probably looking for anything you can at that point. But, uh. Okay. Um, so awaiting trial, um, Speck participated in um, sessions with one of the psychiatrists, Dr. Marvin. Um, these continued all the way from uh, when he was convicted until February 13th, um, a few days before he started trial. So it... Um, the psychiatrist tried to um, note that he had an obsessive-compulsive personality and a Madonna prostitute attitude towards women. Um, he said that Speck viewed women um, saintly until he felt betrayed by them for some reason, which is when he developed his um, hostility towards them. He was also diagnosed with organic, organic brain syndrome uh, resulting from a cerebral injuries suffered. Cerebral. Damn it. I know, I'm I sorry. know, it's okay. Um, suffered earlier in his life. And he stated that he was competent to stand trial but was insane at the time of the crime due to the effects of alcohol and drugs on his organic brain syndrome. Um, the psychiatrist did not testify for the defense or the prosecution on both sides. Um, and then at some point during his interview Speck, with Speck, um, he had obtained a written three-sentence consent from Speck authorizing him to tell what I am really like um, during trial. Huh? I told Chuck, bless you, he sneezed. Oh. So uh, later, Speck had said that he had no recollection recollection of any of the murders, um, but he had confessed to Dr. Leroy Smith at the Cook Hospital um, after he had tried to commit suicide. Um there were also films that inmates had made um, where Speck recounted the brutal murders. Yeah, I saw. I've saw. I've seen those. Yeah, they're the creepy. And he they're very creepy. Yeah, he talks about how long it takes to strangle someone. Yeah. And I mean, yeah. Really, oh yeah, it was really I told you, I don't know. So it all points right to him. It doesn't seem like yeah. he's not a very sympathetic. <coughs> but Charles, well, Speck ends. They find Speck guilty. I mean, they, mm-hmm. there was really no reason to even have a trial. I mean, at that time, they had the death penalty, and they, he got sentenced to death mm-hmm. on all counts. Um, they should have just killed his ass then, but they didn't. <laughs> then the Supreme Court came in, and they abolished the death penalty. He got a sentence commuted to 50 to 100 years. For each, uh, for each murder? Yeah, for each murder. And um, <clears throat> now, as bizarre as this stuff is, the shit really gets weird in prison. Because yeah. Speck comes in and... Uh, this in this is much later, but in 1996, this uh, news news oh, starts yeah. getting videotapes made at Stagesville, and they're from 1988 from an anonymous attorney. Now these tapes showed publicly for the first time, and, and they were given to the Illinois legislature. They showed scenes of explicit sex 
drug use and money being passed around by prisoners. And this is inside the prison? This is inside the prison. They had just no fear of getting caught. And in the middle of all these tapes was crazy-ass Speck. And they show Speck performing oral sex on another inmate, sharing a huge, huge-ass pile of cocaine with that inmate. He's walking around in silk panties. And he's Much got, like the colonel. Much like and, No, my, my, my underwear, I feel like so. But anyway, to Speck, here's the crazy part. The man's got his own breasts. He has breasts? He's breasts. Now, somehow he has gotten female hormones smuggled in. To the prison. To the prison. He's taking them, and he's got... And I got to tell you, I seen this tape. This ugliest damn woman you ever seen in your life. I don't care about the breasts. I don't care if they were nice and firm and perky or whatever. Right. I wouldn't touch that thing with a hundred-foot pole. But, I mean, Speck was ugly as a man. Imagine him as a woman. And these was not nice breasts that he had. There was well, he was, old, saggy he was over 40, so he would become a man anyway. Oh, they were saggy. <laughs> they was... They ain't nothing worse than a man with man boobs turned into woman boobs, jumping around. Did he still have his tallywhacker? He had the tallywhacker. They hadn't cut that Take off yet. Um, Taped it. And then Spec is like, if they only knew how much fun I was having in here, they'd turn me loose. Um, yeah, so they, and, and it was the first time that the Illinois legislature, a few times that the Illinois legislature was standing room only. <laughs> to see these tapes. Um, <laughs> so, I bet. One of the prisoners said, uh, in, in these tapes, one of the prisoners says to Speck, asks him if he killed the most, and he said, uh, Sure, I did. And the guy asked him why, and he goes, Ah, just wasn't that night. And and he has since it's, he said he, he just had no feeling. If you ask me if I feel sorry, no. Uh, and he uh, he described it in, in detail, you know, strangling someone. He's like, it's not like TV. It takes over three minutes. You have to have a lot of strength. I told you that. It's, but it's much easier. Right. I, I saw him on video yeah. when he said that, yeah. You got to try to, it's, if you get a rope and then get a stick at the end and just keep twisting the stick, it's much easier. Does it disturb you that he knows so much about strangling people? No, I'm just saying, if you're going to do it, why make the person suffer? Get it over with quickly. You know, you're going to strangle. It's not a quick death strangling. You're going to get a $10 fine if you're not careful with it. Yeah. But, yeah, you can get a $10. Now, Speck, Speck, right before, right just hours before his 50th birthday, Mm-hmm. Um, had some chest pains. They took him over to Silver Cross Hospital in Joliet. And he died of a heart attack just hours before his 50th birthday, which reminds me of my uh, young Taylor. As, as the colonel was about to turn 50, he was a little disturbed by it. And uh, Taylor said, that, you know, Dad, 50 is a, 50 a big milestone. It's something to be proud of. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? It ain't nothing to be proud of, you old man. He's like, no, no, think about it, Dad. It's, it's, it's an achievement because if, if, if you die today, this was the day before my birthday. When like, you were 49. If you die today, people are going to be saying, oh, my God, what a tragedy. He was only 49 years old, so young. But you die tomorrow? People be like, oh, well, he was 50. He's 50. He had a long yeah. life. He lived. So poor Richard Speck, he died so young. So if you were like <clears> a um, nurse, nurse or a, an attendant there at um, – Illinois State Penitentiary, wherever he was. And Richard Speck comes to you and tell you he's having chest pains. I'd be like, okay. Get right on that. 
Let me go find an aspirin. <laughs> well, I probably tell him it's from those fake titties you got. <laughs> <laughs> they weren't fake. Those are real titties. I know, but you shoot Now he never has to leave hormones. the house. You know, here's what I want to know. If he got all the women's hormones, okay, was like three days a month he running around just bitching at everybody? Probably. Like, rah, 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 this food sucks. Look at this prison cell. It's all dirty. Clean this place up. And then, you know, the PMS, man PMS. Could he get the man PMS? Because he was getting female hormones. Did he go through a lot of Reese cups? Did he? But he doesn't have a uterus, you incredible douche. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, real. Just, well, maybe just we get back the to the story. Um, so here's an interesting thing. I'm, I, it's a legitimate question it's if not. you're taking the estrogen, because the estrogen they don't it wasn't ex- Yeah. Mm-mm. Let's ask our listeners to weigh in on this. Could you weigh in on these comments, listeners? Because the Colonel believe. Estrogen make you crazy. Scott, what's your opinion? Scott, give us your opinion on this. The estrogen, it make you crazy. It make you. It's like taking PCP, really, because you, <laughs> you can't. You you take a woman with the and and, and I'm, I'm gonna get right back to. Spec and it's here. the flux but of I'm, estrogen. I'm, I'm, it's the influx. <clears throat> and he was getting the influx. No, but there's a flux. There's a flux of hormones. And it's not, it's not, you know, he's getting a steady stream of hormones with his pills or his okay. injections or whatever. The flux is what gives you PMS. Okay, so we are agreed that the flux or the PMS or whatever make you crazy. That's all I'm saying. No. You well, just, you just, page you just want some acknowledgement of that. Yeah, acknowledgement of the fact. Which brings me to one more point. Oh, Christ. Now, you know I'm uh, the colonel running for president. and uh loose. Young Brittany. Well, well, before he did, Richard Speck, he died. He's he dead. died. He did he die. Died. He died. He yeah. did die. Um, he was 49. 49. Almost 50. 49. He didn't live. Um, yeah, he had a heart attack in 1990. What was it? What year? Oh, he had a heart attack in 1991. It was one, one day before his 50th birthday. Yeah. And uh, so anyway. Yes. Let's get back to uh, something important. Well, no, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish up Richard Speck here, and then we're going to go to God, that. That'd be great. Uh, here's an interesting thing. Now, you talked about uh, organic damage from his his uh, brain from a accident that he had as a when child. When he was a kid, yeah. But when they were done with it, when when Speck died, and they did an autopsy on him, they found out two really interesting things, and they're, and they're more and more they're finding out that serial killers often have organic brain damage. Um, Well, a neuropathologist at the Chicago Institute of Neurosurgery performed an autopsy on his brain. Um, This is Dr. Jan Listma. And uh, they found some really gross, what they call gross abnormalities. I think they're all Um, gross. Things you would not see at all. And two areas of the brain, the hippocampus, which involves your memory, and the amygdala, which deals with uh, rage and other really strong emotions, there are two separate and distinct parts of your brain. Right. His had grown into one. There was no. There were blurred lines so as to where one bit. What they call gross, gross abnormalities. I think it's all gross. So when he could it have been caused <clears> if he got <throat> hit in the head by a peg leg. It, no, this was what he was That's born with. But being hit with the peg, but my point being, there was there was 
there was something wrong with the man's brain. Right. I mean, he you was tell that not, by looking at him. So it wasn't that, you know, the, the childhood, everything else, this man was going to do crazy shit no matter what he did. I mean, he yeah. was arrested 49 times. And the, I think I read something about it. It, it also affected, did you say, or you may have said it, where it, uh, part of your brain that where you have empathy and... Empathy, you know, emotion. Basically, he would, he could get thrown into a uh, rage for no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Much like, let's go back to the PMS now. Yeah. The colonel, you know we're running for president. Young Brittany, I'm sorry to tell you this, you got to be 35 years old to run. Um, so, yes, it's age discrimination, but you can just sit your ass down there, look pretty, and be quiet. Um, I would anyway, vote for you, Brittany. Oh, that was very harsh. I would vote for um, you, Brittany, because I think you're, you're a new voice. I said look pretty. Thank you, Mr. Tim. Um, so, Miss Tim. Uh, how many times have you heard that? Mr. You give me fifty dollars, Mr. Tim. Anyway, you so the Colonel, you play Facebook. You play on Facebook. I got a, I got a, Facebook. I got a plan. What is the problem facing us? So you keep hearing these guys talking about how to, how they're going to deal with ISIS. Yeah. And as I was, when I was a kid, ISIS was a hero. <clears throat> right. And as as I was hiding in my the basement the other night, <laughs> what was her name? East. East. What? Why were you hiding the in the basement? Superhero. I don't know. ISIS. Don't know. Isn't that her name? I was hiding in my basement. If I could get to my point, I wish you would. I was hiding in my basement. Before you do, Linda Carter, who did she play? Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman. Okay, but there was another female uh, hero who was named ISIS, right? I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. Google it. Google it. All right, I'll go ahead. Okay, so I'm hiding in my basement, and the reason I'm hiding in my basement is because the blue-eyed devil, she got the PMS, all right? Yeah. So me, Rudy, and Logan, we all huddled. It's like a tornado coming. We're in the far corner. You hear that train. Yeah, you hear it. You can just feel the vibe, the hair on the back of your neck standing up. And anyway, I got to thinking, all I keep hearing about is how are we going to solve this ISIS problem? Yeah. Well, here's what we do. We take... 300,000 women of childbirthing years. Mm-hmm. We get them all together. Please okay. tell me your plan. Yeah. Now, if we get them all together for, say, four months, basic training, all we're really doing in that basic training mm-hmm. is trying to get that cycle together. Because you know if they hang around together long enough. Yeah, yeah, nobody, nobody's figured that out That yet. cycle gets together. <gasps> That's our secret. So then what we do is we get power. a bunch of battleships. Mm-hmm. Okay, We get that three four-day window, okay? The window of death is what we really call it, my house. Um, We give them spoons. Mm -hmm. We drop them off in Syria, Iraq, Iran, wherever the ISIS people are. You're giving us spoons? Because that's all you need. That's all you need. We give them sharp spoons, sporks, whatever, and we tell them, you know what? We're going to conquer ISIS. The ISIS guys got all the chocolate. They got all the chocolate. You tell me ISIS wouldn't be de- de- just de- they'd be destroyed in three days. And you know what? That even <laughs> even if even if ISIS wins, then we can say, "Well, big deal. You beat a bunch bunch of women." Yeah, big deal. You beat up a bunch of girls. Right. So what? But um, no, I'm saying they ain't nothing scarier. You know, Green Beret, Navy Seal, nothing over whatever. Ain't nothing scary. You want you. You have a Navy SEAL Airborne Ranger show up say, to my house say, I'm going to whip your ass? Fine. We'll go out in the front. Bring it on. I'll deal with you. But you get the blonde-haired devil walking through my house, starting to look around to see if you vacuum properly. 
I get scared. Do you wear a little maid's outfit when you vacuum? <laughs> I don't vacuum. That's why I get scared. But anyway, that's what I'm just saying. And, and I would like to... Uh, men, it's time we stand up and admit these things. It, it, the first step in solving a problem is admitting there's a problem. Are you going to bruise, old man? <laughs> Well, don't pinch me so damn. Renee, Renee we, we don't want encouraging. We're just listening. So, anyway. Not, not really. If we, uh. Oh, kind of. That's yeah. really all I have to say about that. Oh, really? excellent. Okay. <laughs> so, Brittany has her arms crossed over like she's pissed off. You know why? Because it is the, what is it today? The 11th? Oh. Yeah. Okay. Brittany in the window of death. And we got to time these podcasts not to cross over in the, this this window of death period. <laughs> the window of death. So yes, Brandy. Yes, great. So we're gonna go ahead and wrap this up. Anybody have anything else they want to add that's relevant to I this do. particular podcast? I do. Yes, ma'am. Don't disturb the peace. <laughs> do not. You pay that ten bucks. That's a yeah. bitch. I do, I don't like Richard Speck. Um, Me either. <laughs> he's kind of a jerk. He's kind of an ass. He's a dick. Yeah. He, Kind of a murderer. Yeah. What do you think, Pearl? I know you're. Well, the only thing to make this one is. Can you sum it up in four words? (laughs) Can you? Give us your opinion. He had boobs. He had always that. Give him open-ended questions, right? I had it. What's that? I said, and dude, that's weird. Dude, that's weird. He had breasts. He had boobs. Where can people find us? And he performed oral sex. So you got to give him points for that. Why am I giving him points for that? You know what? Where can they find us? You, they can find us on Facebook under... Dude, that's weird. Or... Or they can go to iTunes. Well, we're not on iTunes yet, but we will be soon. Where the hell are they also You keep saying that. I've got a problem. You're the producer. You keep saying that. We're going to be on iTunes soon, but you can also find us on History Dweebs, the Facebook, and you can find History Dweebs on iTunes. Y'all, this is going to be on History Dweeb too, right? Yes. So it's going to be... History Dweeb going to be on iTunes. I would really appreciate your support because I know even the women out there know I'm right. I mean, they out there. The ones that ain't in that three-window period are like, yeah, we get crazy. So on iTunes, leave us a comment, and we will be able, that way other people can can find us. Now, whether that's a good or a bad thing remains to be seen. (laughs) But please leave us a comment so other people can find us. And that is all for today. Thank everybody very much. Say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Good night, Dottie. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I am a hydrated girly. But sometimes when you drink that much water, it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game, and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. 
The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.